0: Right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are very pleased to have with us. And thank you, sir, for making the time with us. Presidential candidate, former governor of Arkansas, many of you remember him from his days in Congress, Asa Hutchison. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I
1: work part time.
0: To... Mr Hutchison, are you there with us?
1: I am, I am. I'm here at the Thanks. Iowa State Fair, and so there's a little background noise going on. Oh
0: uh, yeah, you're enjoying yourself at the fair?
1: Well, I am. I am. Of course, we're doing some good serious politicking and uh, getting to know Iowa and uh, having a lot of fun. Yes.
0: All right. I'm going to ask you, I am asking all of the presidential candidates the same questions, and they're not about other candidates. They're about you. What made you decide this is it? I have to run for president this year i have to be the president of the united states that's number one what made you decide to run this year and the second thing is let's say you do win it all what are you going to do for america once you become president
1: well they're all actually linked but uh, i'm running for president because i disagree with the direction that president biden and his leadership is uh, taking our country uh i And so what I want to do is to have a pro-growth energy policy. On day one, we're going to start producing energy again. We don't want blackouts and brownouts on the east and west coast. We know we got to produce energy. We need to be independent. And that will be a priority of my administration. Uh, Secondly, we're going to secure the border. And I know every candidate says that, but one of the reasons I'm running is that I actually have experience. I In the Bush administration, I was responsible for border security, and I worked with Mexico and going after the cartels. I had to deal as head of the DEA with the drug issues in America. And so my experience matches the challenges that we face, and that's why I'm running. We need to control federal spending and move toward a balanced budget. I did that as eight years as governor. And uh, I know what we need to do to get that done again.
0: Well, what is that? That's a good question because the the constraints that you have as governor, most governors, and I don't know whether this is the case in Arkansas, forgive me, but most governors are required by law. They are not allowed to just run deficits endlessly like the federal governments do. They have to figure out a a way to live within the means that their budget is calling for. How do you balance something, a budget like this in the United States that is sometimes trillions of dollars in overspending against more trillions, tens of trillions of dollars of debt that we've already run up that no one un- seems to have a plan to figure out how we're going to pay back?
1: Uh, absolutely. And you're right. Uh, we do require a balanced budget in Arkansas. And so, whatever the Revenues shrink you got to tighten your belt and the same thing has to happen at the federal level now It is different. It is more complex, but you start with uh, under my administration. We're going to reduce non-defense federal employment by 10 percent that is a significant step toward controlling the federal bureaucracy the administrative state and that's one Uh, secondly Uh, we're going to have a a tighter rein on congressional spending. Uh, We're going to reduce the growth of spending, uh, and then uh, I'll use my veto pen as needed. And, of course, you've got to look at uh, the Medicaid program, for example. And I want to give the states more flexibility. That will also help provide the services but also control costs. So those are a few things that are a start, to controlling uh, the spending at the federal level. But ultimately, when you're looking at $32 trillion of debt, uh, you're going to have to grow the private sector of the economy, and that is going to help generate more federal revenue uh, to reduce our debt. It's all about private sector growth, and that would be my priority.
0: Now, this is not an attack on you personally, and please don't take it that way. Republicans and conservatives and I separate the two for a reason, have been hearing for years from their candidates that they are going to get this fiscal house in order. It has to go through Congress. The moment somebody says government shutdown, Republicans put their tail between their legs, and they cower, and they shake, and they shiver, and they say, oh no, oh no, we're going to get blamed if there's a government shutdown. And every time this plays out, we see the same play over and over again, it happens in December. Either we, either we live by these continuing resolutions that go on and on and on, or they come up with some last minute deal to kick the can down the road because they're so frightened of a government shutdown. How do you intend to navigate if you're in the executive office? Congress has to be brought under control. Congress has no will to be brought under control. They want to spend endlessly. And every time, You have a president or a Republican or anyone that stands up and says, no, I'm going to use my veto pen. We're going to stop this down. They don't get the support from Republicans, particularly in the Senate, but also members of the House that are so afraid that they're going to ruin their own re-election chances because they'll be blamed for a shutdown. How are you going to navigate that? How are you going to get these guys to follow you?
1: Well, the answer is that uh, that makes all the difference if you have a president in the White House. Uh, and so, you know, when you're looking at a threat of a government shutdown, you actually have leverage whenever you have the president of your own party. And so I would lead, and it starts by submitting a budget on time. Uh, our Republican-Democrat administration has gotten the habit of not even presenting a budget on time and that sets a tone for Congress to do their job. And so I would do that. And, uh, you know, you, I think the Republican Congress, hopefully will have that, will work with me. But if not, you've got to be able to control the spending and you've got to use a veto pen uh, and use that leverage.
0: Let's talk about something else. Most Americans look, and what bothers them in their lives are things that don't even come up in the discussion in Washington today. They see what happens across the country. They, They look at an America where if you go to any major city, you've got homeless people pitching tents all over the place. You've got mobs of rabid youth going into department stores, clearing them out. You've got lawlessness in every almost every major urban area, yet, of course, Republicans are in many of the red states. We're not in these cities, and even in red states, where there are blue cities, nothing seems to get the crime under control these days. You've got Soros pumping in billions of dollars to get these left-wing prosecutors in who are letting criminals out by the score. What do you do as president? You come in and people in your country are worried about their personal safety. They see the lawlessness that looks like not only the lawlessness, but this almost out of control homelessness, this feeling that they're living in a dystopian world right now. Do you, is that just the city problem? What do you do with that if you're president?
1: Well, first of all, it is a, Great concern that I have. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I've been head of the DEA. Uh, I understand the importance of the three words, in, in, enforce the law. And we cannot have this level of, level of anarchy. And so one, it's about leadership. It's about utilizing the tools that we need to stop the violence. It's primarily a responsible of local governments, but the presidential leadership can make a difference. And secondly, uh we don't want to be spending and sending federal money to jurisdictions that are not going to enforce the law. And so there is some leverage that you have, but you've got to be able to and we're seeing this, there's a shift, people are understanding in the large cities from San Francisco to New York that you cannot have this level of lawlessness and disregard of the law and have a democracy that works. And so they're rising up, and I'm going to support them as they rise up and say, uh, let's take control of this and stop this level of violence. And not just violence, it's the grab and, uh, you know, run in the stores. That's just intolerable in a orderly society as we should have.
0: Okay, I'm two-tier system of well, justice. On- yes, sir.
1: Well, I've just got a little bit more time here, but go ahead and ask me another question.
0: Just the last one, sir. Many of us perceive a two-tier system of justice. Do you? And if you do, what are you going to do about it?
1: I'm going to have a new attorney general, a new head of the DEA, I mean, excuse me, of the FBI. And then uh, I've already announced my reform efforts for federal law enforcement that would uh, reduce the jurisdiction of the FBI. It would support them in their primary missions. It's going to make federal law enforcement more accountable and transparent. And that is the reform that I am proposing with a commission on the future of law enforcement as well, to make sure they have a charter to protect civil liberties and also a more clear mission that doesn't overlap with every other federal agency. So that's uh, the reform, and that's what restores confidence in the American people. You're going to you hear sir, me raise a lot, of these, a lot of these issues of the mm-hmm. debate, and you can help me get there by going to asa2024.com. One dollar helps me get on that debate stage.
0: Asa Hutchison, thank you, sir, for spending so much time with us, and thank you for your that's- candid answers. We appreciate you.
1: All right. Thank you.